third and final uh, uh, message in this series called DNA, and it's the core of the local church is what we're talking about. So who are we as, as the local church? So in week one, we, the main point that I wanted you to get, uh, if there's anything that you got, was hopefully this, is that the, mess, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ demands a response. Like, we have to respond to that. And so when we tell that story, people respond to it. Now, sometimes people respond to it and they say, no, don't want to believe it. It's, 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 it's a fairy tale. It's, it's hocus pocus. I'm not getting into that, but they, it demands a response. And we're, we're praying that their hearts are ready to receive the message of Jesus Christ, that he died for them, that he loved them uniquely and specially, and he has a purpose for them. And that is our heart's desire as a church is to help them. Our, the F-bombs of authentic church follow Jesus Christ find freedom and walking in a relationship with him, and then their, their purpose will be fulfilled by living out and making an impact in our community. Amen? So that was week one. Last week, um, if you were here last week, um, you might have been slightly overwhelmed by the timeline, and I get it. I went and rewatched the message because I was like, wow, that was a lot. I need to learn what I taught. Uh, it, was, it was some uh, really good stuff, but I'm going to kind of jump from there. So he, here's where we're at. We've been talking about that we are the children of God. Romans 8, uh, 16 says the Spirit himself bears witness uh, with our spirit that we are, that we are children of God. So the children of God, we share a DNA. So I share a DNA with my father. My kids share DNA with me. We have resemblances. We look like each other. We talk like each other. There's this connection that we have, the DNA. So the DNA, we are children of God. And if the children, uh, if children, then heirs, heirs uh, of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So that is who we are. So the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, Romans 8, 11, says that, that that same spirit that dwelled in him dwells in us. So that DNA, we share that DNA with each other. This is, this is a powerful, powerful thing that we have to understand. And, and so last week we started off uh, going through that, uh, that timeline. Go ahead, will you throw that up there real quick? So the timeline starts with that in the beginning we were created in the perfect will of God. Adam and Eve were created so that they would be used by God to glorify God. That was their purpose. And they were doing that well until they made a choice. And in the, that choice of eating from the fruit uh, in, the, in the garden, they shattered shalom. So shalom being the fullness of what God intended for us to be was, was that shalom. That, everything that God meant it to be. The Garden of Eden was exactly the way God wanted it to be. But that choice shattered shalom. And I had that illustration, and it was funny, because I broke that, that vase, that vase, that vase. I broke it, and <laughs> you should have seen some people jump. Um, uh, even a little squeal. It's on tape. I got proof. Uh, <laughs> It was like, woo! Uh, it was great. And uh, so it was <laughs> that, that moment where the, that shalom was broken. But even in the moment that shalom was broken, we saw that, in, that God had a plan for shalom to be restored. 
And so all that has been God partnering with man. So God partnered with man in the beginning, with Adam and Eve. And then he partnered with, uh, with Abraham, saying, I'm going, I'm going to see the nations blessed. And then he partnered with the children of Israel and said, hey, I'm going to use you guys to glorify me. And I showed you that he, that he placed Israel in the exact spot that so all the empires of the world had to pass through their country so that, that his glory would be revealed in them, in him, in his glory revealed in them. Now, we have the resurrection of Jesus. Now he's partnering with the church. That's you and me. He is partnering with us, and he has designed us to be filled with his spirit. So we have his word and his spirit, and those of you that last week, you, you're getting this. Those that, that weren't, you're like, where is he at on this chart? Watch last week's message. The word and the spirit empowers us to be partnered with him. And so now, we talked about this, the church is here. And that's where we're going to pick up today. So the final part is how do we, as the church, partner with Jesus Christ, and the way that we do this is by understanding that he has in us the ability to be his ambassadors. I've used this scripture a few times, Acts chapter, eight, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 has been the part that I've used. But I want to move from that. So here's where we started. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, remember the Spirit was upon, that, was there, uh, that we showed on the graphic, that the Holy Spirit would empower, will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So the Spirit of God was given to us so that we could be witnesses. Now what is a witness? A witness is a storyteller. A witness is a storyteller. That's, that's when you get up on a stand in the, in the courtroom, which I hope none of you have, have to do that, uh, and you have to get, put your hand on that, uh, on that Bible, you say that I'm going to give the fullest knowledge that I have of the, the story that I experienced. So you put your hand on there and you say, I'm going to be a witness. And you tell your story. So the Holy Spirit was given to us so that we could be better storytellers. Better storytellers. And, and, and uh, telling, telling people everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, in our understanding of this, now, how many of you have been to Jerusalem? Not very many. So that doesn't, make, that doesn't relate to you at all, does it? Well, today, your understanding of Jerusalem is T County. That's your Jerusalem. Your Jerusalem, that's where he, when Jesus was telling this, he was in Jerusalem saying, you will be my witnesses right here. Today, your job is to be God's storyteller right here. Judea and Samaria, where's that? That's the nation of Israel. Your responsibility and our responsibility as the church is to be the storytellers of Jesus Christ in America. That's right, and I'm right here in America. And we, we are to be telling the story of Jesus Christ. Now, and then to the ends of the earth, well, guess where that's at? To the ends of the earth. And this is our responsibility is to tell his story. Then after he says that, the verse continues on. And here's where we're going to jump in. After saying this, he, Jesus, was taken up into the cloud while they were watching and they, uh, and they could no longer see him. So in this moment that he is, he's telling them the last commandment. His last commandment, catch this, is be my storyteller. 
That's the last commandment that Jesus gives his disciples. And he, here's what I, I want you to understand this. That, well, in a couple weeks, I'm going to be back. Uh, um, uh, next week, uh, for two weeks, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to be in Turkey. So I'll be in Turkey for two weeks. I'm going to be studying uh, with my father uh, the, the churches that Paul planted in, in my, Asia Minor and, or Turkey today. And I, we're going to be there studying. And, and Pastor Corey, he's going to be bringing it. That, that switch series he's going to have is be ready, be ready. So I'm going to get back from Turkey. And this, the message that we're, series that we're going to go into is going to be called Storytellers. We're storytellers. And our story is going to be connected. My story is connected to your story. Your story is connected to our story. Our story is making history. Come on. His story. Come on. Come on. So we're, we're going to have a blast. It's going to be amazing. And I, I will, I'm going to throw out a little warning. I, last time I took a trip like this, I went to Israel nine years ago. And when I got back from Israel, God planted the seed for authentic church. So who knows what's going to happen when I get back from Turkey. Just get ready because God is just going to explode and it's just going to be good. Here we go. Uh, so <laughs> when, when we get back, it's going to be, this is going to be what he's telling us to do. He says, after saying this, I, the last thing that he tells them is be a storyteller. That's what we got to be. We're going to be storytellers. And then he says, uh, he went up into the cloud and it says, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Come on. They just, Jesus was standing there. And then he went, what would have happened? What would you have done if you're in that moment? There's Jesus. Eyes up, jaw down. That's going to be a screenshot this week. That's your meme for this week. It's going to have a real powerful saying beside it. Jeff Bray is going to like, yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, uh, <laughs> that, that, that is that, that moment. That, what, well, of course, what do you mean, why are we looking up? There's Jesus. He's going into heaven. And he uh, says, what, what are you looking for? And because here's where's the powerful part. He says, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday someday he will return. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to look at this moment and that point from we are, where we are as a church, on that graphic, we're here as a church to when Shalom is returned. That is our responsibility. That's where we are today. It says from heaven, uh, he will, someday he will return the same way that you saw him go. Now, so we're going to talk about this second coming. Now, before we go any further... Let me take you to Matthew chapter uh, 24, verse 36. This isn't in your notes, but I felt like I needed to throw this in here just in case. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 says, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. So Jesus is saying, hey, uh, the Son of Man's going to return, but no one knows when it's going to happen. So I know there's lots of guys out there who have written books who tell you that it's going to be a certain day at a certain time. There's been ministries that have been used to, to collect money and do all this stuff to say it's, this is going to be the day it comes back. When they say it's going to be this day, it's not that day. Okay, you, it's, it is all any day but that day is what, what it's, Jesus is saying here. What, there is no moment. Now, this has been happening for ongoing. We, we, we want it to be like it's going to be here. We want to know, don't we? 
Uh, but I, my dad uh, in Bible college, w- way back, be, you know, back in the, yeah, we won't get on how old he is, but it's, it's, he was, <laughs> back in the day, he was in Bible college, and they had a guy in the, at the Bible college write a book or a thesis that said, how, the 88 reasons God is going to come back in 1988. Well, 1988 came, and then he had to come out with a new book, 89 reasons God was going to come back in 89. He didn't, but see, we, we tried to re- have reasons why we narrow it down. Now, we do not know the date or the hour, but Jesus does give us the seasons. In fact, in Luke chapter 21, he says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming to the world, for the heavenly bodies will be Shaken. The next verse says, At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. So we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the season. Now, we see in that there's the, 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 the earth is going to shake, there's going to be the roaring of the seas, Many uh, scholars believe it's going to be earthquakes and tsunamis. Have we been experiencing those in our country lately? The, the terrorizing of the earth, that people will experience things like mass shootings where 20 people are killed or nine people are killed in Dayton yesterday. That, that this, this kind of mentality will be taking place and, and all that for, for generations. In fact, since the time of the New Testament writers, we've been going, it's got to be right around the corner. Now, he, here's what I can tell you. We are closer today, in 2019, than we were in 1988. So we're, we're closer. I can also tell you this. We're, your end time is soon. Because you only go in one direction. You go from young to old. Which means you go from living to dead. Yeah, yep, yeah, amen. Josh, can you be a little bit more positive? I'm positive you're going to die someday, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is just the direction. You, we have an end time. And so we, we need to understand this. Now, let me just, there are a few things that were happening today that have never happened before. And that prophecy of what was coming. So Jesus Christ said, I'm coming back. And every promise that Jesus had before that moment was fulfilled. And so now we're waiting for him to fulfill that promise. So I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Jesus is coming back. And we're going to talk about that in more detail in a moment. But there's some, some prophecies, in the, in, in specifically in Revelation, that have never been able to be fulfilled until today. For instance, in Revelation chapter 11, there's a prophecy that there's going to be two prophets who are going to be killed by the Antichrist and the dragon, and they're going to be put on display for three days. Their dead bodies will be shown to the world. Now, until we had satellite TV and able to see things happening across the world, that was never going to be possible. So just recently, that can be fulfilled. There's also the, the concept of uh, the mo- worldwide money, that all the money will be interchangeable and working together. And that in, Matthew, or in Revelation 13, it says that, th- that there will be a time where there will be a mark on your forehead or on your hand that, will re- that you'll be able to purchase things by that thing. So you'll go into Walmart, you'll scan your items at the self-checkout, and then you'll... Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to work, but it's, 
But that was never possible until 2012 when a Wisconsin company actually inserted chips into the hands of their employees for security reasons so that they could go in. And now it's pretty much a, a common thing in Europe, and you see it, companies on a regular basis asking their employees to insert these chips. And you have it now on your credit card is a little small chip that controls your money. Now, there's also another one that in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said that I, he would not come back until all the nations heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Until recently, that's not been possible, but modern technology has given us the ability to communicate to almost every single nation. That nation is the, every tongue. So every person, every, uh, every tribe, every, not borders, but every nation. Now, most scholars kind of like are arguing that there may be somebody that we don't, haven't been able to reach, but there's at least three people groups that haven't been reached. Three. So again, we're right on that verge. Now, I don't tell you all this to get you scared. Some of you are like, well, here he goes. Going back to his Pentecostal roots, and he's going to be talking about hell and brimstone, and you're going to hell. So we've, we've done that with the end times. We've done it to scare people into salvation, which is silly. And the counter to what Jesus Christ did. In fact, Jesus said, I want you to be comforted by my return. In your notes, you can put that there in your blank, is that Jesus Christ said, find comfort in his return. See, last week we talked about that. I had this, the, the, that, that vase that I broke and that, sh- the, the, that shalom was broken. But that one day, shalom would be restored. That one day, that one day, there would be that moment where everything that you had been broken and lost in this life would be brought back and restored to you. That you, one day, that it would, cancer would not be the thing that you would fear. That one day, that mothers who lost a child to miscarriage would be able to hold that child in wholeness the way that God created it. The way that you've lost your loved ones and you've fought battles and you've lo- looked at these things in these situations, that one day, the end time that moment when Jesus is coming would not be a scary moment. It would be a moment of comfort, restoration, and full peace. Shalom restored. That moment is coming. Paul spoke of it when he wrote to the church in 1 Thessalonians. He said this, he said, According to the Lord's will, we tell you, uh, tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself, I love that, that he called it falling asleep. He's like, it's not even really dead. They're just, they're just taking a little nap. That's a power nap. And it's like they're going to get woke up here in a minute. It says, uh, they will come down from heaven with a loud command and the, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are, le- are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another that the fact that shalom will be restored. One day, every trouble, every difficulty will be restored. 
So you need to find comfort in it. And the next thing that we, our response to, to, this, to this second coming of Jesus Christ needs to be that we get prepared for his return. Get prepared for his return. He's coming back. The promise is there. He is returning. One day he is going to come back, so we need to act like he's coming back. Again, Paul writes, and he continues this conversation in 1 Thessalonians. He says, now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. In other words, the times and dates don't matter. We don't know them, which is interesting that they were having that argument all the way back when Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica. He says, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying peace and safety. Peace and safety. Look how great we have it. Look, how, the, the, look at the world and all the, the technology we have and all the comforts we have. I mean, we have air conditioning, we have heating, we have vehicles that drive us, we have planes that can take us from here to there. Look at all the things that we have. We can talk to people across the world. Look how much we have. It's peace and safety. That's when destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains of a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you... Those that are in the church, those that are following Jesus Christ, but you, you brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Don't, you won't be surprised. You're not going to be surprised by it. Can we go to the next uh, slide there? It says, you, uh, you are all children of the light. Oh, wait. Nope, go back. Sorry. Went too far. Don't, don't read that. It's coming up. Wait. <laughs> We have to understand, he is coming back. It's coming. Okay, I'm going to use an illustration. I did a wedding yesterday, and I love weddings. They are so much fun and so joyous. Now, this one was a little closer to home. It was my, my, my niece was getting married, and I was doing her, her ceremony. And, uh, and I, love, I, I really do love doing weddings that are like close to us. So if you're in here this morning, you're part of our church family, especially if you're on the Dream Team, by all means, my wife's always like, you're going to have people not want you to do the weddings. I'm like, listen, if I'm in relationship with you, let's, I'll be happy to show up. I love you and honor you, and I want to do your wedding. Everybody else, go find somebody else. Um, <laughs> so we, we, so I, like I'm, do, I'm doing their ceremony. So this one hit home because I, I've, I've been around the preparation for it. And it's, it's crazy how much energy... And finances and all the planning that goes into this moment. I mean, there's they got to have the right decorations, got to have the right dress. We get in arguments about what the bridesmaids are wearing. The guys could care less, but they got to have the right thing on. So all this stuff is happening up to get to a moment that takes about 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's a female. There's not one man that was like, yeah. They're like, can we do it in 12? Uh, <laughs> All of this preparation goes into this moment. Now, Jesus says, I'm coming back, and I am the groom coming for his bride. And we spend all this effort and all this energy getting ready for a moment that lasts 15 minutes. And should it not be that we're going, I need to be prepared for the thing that's going to happen and take eternity? I need to get ready. If it's going to happen, I need to be ready. So how we live matters. See, if, you, if you're going to be a bride, you need to act like a bride. 
If you're, if, just imagine, if you are engaged and your wedding is in three months and you decide, well, I'm going to get married in three months, but today I want to act single. Okay, let's do some on the, on the upper side so I can get a reaction from the females. A guy says, I'm going to be married in a couple days, but today I'm, I'm, I'm not quite yet there, so I want to act like I'm single, and I want to go to that. Mm-hmm, come on. Who, who's happy with that person? No, because you are going to be a bride. You need to act like a bride. Okay, just FYI, for those of you that are single, those that are students, let me just give you a little information. How you treat your person that you're dating today will matter when you get married. Just a little, mm-hmm, drop it in. You're welcome, parents. Um, Jesus wanted us to be prepared. There, there, uh, 300 references in the New Testament alone to his second coming. 20, uh, 216 out of the 260 chapters in the New Testament reference Jesus' second coming. 23 out of the 27 New Testament books reference Jesus' coming. Why? Because he wanted us to be prepared for his return. So if we're getting prepared, then we need to be focused because of his return. We need to be focused because of his return. 1 Thessalonians Five Again, this is Paul writing on the subject of Jesus' second coming. And he says, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Wake up and be sober. Wake up and be sober. So you need to be paying attention and need to be thinking clearly. Focused thinking. What are we focused on? So Jesus, in his writings about the second coming, says in Matthew chapter 24, he says, When the Son of Man returns, it will be like the day it was in Noah's day. In those days, before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two men will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch. Be focused. For you don't know what day the Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch. He would be sitting there with his shotgun on his lap, ready. If he knew. And not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So how can we be focused? Number one, we need to be focused in our prayer. Focused prayer. We're doing 21 days of prayer right now. Why? So that we can be focused. Focused for what's coming. Because in just a few days, sorry to say this, students, school starts. And we want there to be focused prayer over those school. We want focused prayer over those teachers. We want focused prayer over our students. We want them to be prepared to go back into that environment where they, we know they're going to be challenged. We also know that we're coming into the September is our, every year, for seven years now, has been our biggest growth month every year. 
So we're going to be ready. We want to be focused and ready for what's going to happen. Now, here's the thing. We, we kind of confuse what prayer is, though. Well, how do we do prayer? We go to God, and we tell him what's going on in our lives so that he's aware of it. Like he didn't know you're going through that difficulty. Like, he, like oh, oh, I'm glad you let me know that your wife hates your guts right now. It makes me, you know, now, now I'll do something about it. Oh, I'm glad to know you're going through some financial difficulties. I wasn't aware. No, we, we don't take earthly things and make God aware of them. When we go to prayer, we go to God for him to make heavenly things known to us. That's why he said, when he taught them how to pray, the first thing he said, our, say this way, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We got to start praying focused prayers. Focused prayers are prayers that are praying in shalom, fullness. So I'm going to pray that someday cancer will be gone because someday cancer will be gone. Now, we, we want it to happen within our time frame. Like, we want the healing here and now, but we have to understand it's not our way. It's God's way. So one day, those that are dealing with cancer and that we will lose to cancer here will be full of everything that they need there. We've got to get our minds flip-flopped. See, we bring God, the prayers and we're like, God, my problems are so big. And man, if you were just a little bit bigger, you could handle them. But focus prayer goes to God and say, my problems aren't that big. So we take big problems and we adjust it to the heavenly realm going, big God, little problems. See, that's, that's the way we, we need to adjust our prayers. Focus prayers goes, problems aren't that big. My God is bigger. My God is bigger. Focused prayer. So we have a realignment. The second thing that we need to be focused on is we need to be focused on people. Focused on people. Why people? Because people is the only thing that's going to be in heaven. It's the only thing that we get to take from this earth. Now, okay, real quick. I I don't know if dogs are going to be in heaven. Okay? The movie says all dogs go to heaven. There's a reason why there's been no movie called All Cats Go to Heaven. But I'm just saying. Uh, just <laughs> if you want to hear a funny story, catch me after church. I'll tell you what I think of cats. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> those people laughing know the story. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Jesus, help me. Oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. We're going to erase that from the tape. Um, <laughs> but we're... <laughs> Oh, Lord. Uh, reason we, we need to focus on people. I'm sweating now. Um, we, need to focus on, we need to focus on people because people is what matters. Relationships is what matters. And this is why Jesus wants us to be great storytellers because our story will impact someone else's story. When we tell our story, it is unlike anything else. It is the story that he has given to us. Nobody else has your story. So we need to learn that we need to tell our story and be in relationship with people. The reason why the church has such a bad name right now is because we don't start with a personal story. We start with, you're going to hell. We start with a, hey, get defensive because I'm going to tell you how bad and wrong you are. Have you, have you, you've been in conversations where your boss approaches you and tells you how wrong you are. What do you start off with? <laughs> mm-hmm, whatever. Even when we're wrong and we know we're wrong, we're still defensive. 
That's what we, can't, we start conversations that way with people who we're trying to reach. Start the conversation with your story, not theirs. Not telling them how bad their story is. Tell them how you, bad your story was and how God saved your story. How God has rewrote your story. And he is the best story writer that's ever walked the earth. Because Jesus changes everything. The, the, focused on people. For, uh, first Peter, again, this is Peter. Oh, by the way, if you want to take somebody's like, conversation about the end times, I think Peter would be a reliable source. He walked with Jesus, saw Jesus die on a cross, saw Jesus after he resurrected, was empowered by Jesus when Jesus taught him what it means, what the kingdom of heaven would be, and then on the day of Pentecost stood up in front of everybody and proclaimed the gospel to thousands of people, and they responded. I think he might be somebody we want to listen to. He says this. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Parents, use that verse. (laughs) Offer hospitality to your sister and your brother without grumbling. We serve, but so many times we serve. (sighs) Guess I'll do it. They're an idiot, but I'll do it. Offer hospitality. Love people. Start there. It's hard to, say, uh, to reach people you don't like. So the last thing we need to focus on is you need to focus on your purpose. And I already hit on this. Your focus, your purpose is your story. Look, look what Peter said in 1 Peter 4.10. He said, each one of you should use whatever gift you, he has received to serve others. Now, there, we're, he goes on and says, you got the gift, if you've got the gift of teaching, use it. Teach with everything you've got. If you've got the gift of serving, serve with everything you've got. Do it. But I want to tell you what your greatest gift is, and it's no one else has it, is your story. The story of how God has taken you from brokenness to the promise of shalom. The story that God has redeemed you and said, yes, I realize you've gone through this difficulty, but today I'm walking in the promise of shalom being restored. That's your story. That's the powerful story that you have today. He continues, he says, each one of you should, throw that back up there, each one of you should offer the gifts faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever. Amen. Our responsibility is to live in such a manner that glorifies Jesus Christ and that our story points to him. That our story points to Jesus. So Jesus, I pray right now. I pray that you anoint this church, this group of people, to use their stories to touch a world, to change their Jerusalem. Lord, that their story will be used to, to transform their family, their, their workplace, their school, our community. Lord, that our story would then continue to spread and that the, across the, this nation that our message would point to you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be able to reach the world for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. This is, uh, this is one of those messages that, uh, for some of you, you're sitting there going, I want my story to be changed. And this is your opportunity right now for your story to be rewritten. For God to take everything that you think is, is messed up and needs edited and everything else, and he's going to go, no, 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 no. Let me just add a line right here. Jesus, period. Jesus changes everything. When you put that one word, Jesus, in your story, it takes everything that you thought was a mess and turns it into his glory. So this is that moment. The Bible has a, a word called repentance, and a lot of times we use that to go, repent, you're doomed. Today is the opportunity for you to understand what that really means. Repentance means turn to Jesus. Let him rewrite your story. We are able to do that because he came to this earth, lived a perfect life. He went to the cross for our sins to pay our debt. And when he paid that debt, he was buried and then he resurrected. And that same power that was in him and resurrected him is available to you today. Will you pray this prayer with me? If that's where the step you want to take, and I'm going to encourage everybody to pray this prayer. It's a prayer that just is that moment of commitment saying, God, change my story. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the life you lived. Thank you for the death that you died. Lord, thank you for your resurrection and that your spirit is available to us today. Lord, we turn to you. We're going to follow after you. Lord, I give you my story in Jesus' name. Amen.